called out loudly to bring the spellcasters, the astrologers, and the diviners. The king said to the wise men of Babylon, whoever is able to read this writing and explain its meaning will be clothed in purple, significance of purple, royalty, Christ the king. Did I mention it in your sermon? Gold chain around his neck. I just, I don't know, I'm, I'm thinking Mr. T, but that's probably not right. Um, and he will rule as third highest in the kingdom. Now, third highest, um, that might be from the top down or from the bottom up. In the army, what's third from the top? What's a five-star general in our army? Do you know? No, no, no. That's a one-star general. You know, Brigadier general, major general, four-star general is lieutenant general, and only George Washington, uh, oh, um, um, U.S. Grant, um, Ike, only a couple have been a lieutenant general. And then five-star general, which is general of the army, and uh, Ike became that also, but uh, we only had a handful of these guys. But we got to go back, back down to about major general. So third from the top. So it could be you're going to have a pretty high rank. Or from the top down, it could be you're going to be third in the entire kingdom. So who's first in the kingdom? No, he's not. No, 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 no. He's at the resort. Dad, Nabonidus, that's why he can't make him number two. It's because I'm number two. So dad's, out at, dad's over in Vegas... And I'm number two, but I can make you number three. If you can tell me what this is, I'll make you number three. Uh, so which, which is it? Is it I'm going to make you a very high-ranking general, or I'm going to make you next after me in line for the kingdom? You know, I'm not sure. I like to think it's that one. You'll, you'll be next in line after me. And Daniel is going to say, I don't care. I don't want this. I don't care, but... Then all the king's wise men came in. I'm sorry, as I read this out loud, I naturally want to say, then all the king's horses and all the king's... Yeah, okay. But they were not able to read the writing or tell the king what it meant. Then, the king, then King Belshazzar was really terrified. Terrified ma'od. Very, very terrified. Um, when God saw that it was good, he said, tov. When he saw that it was very good, he said, Tov Ma'od. And now the king is not just terrified, he's terrified Ma'od. Really terrified. He grew even paler, and his nobles were perplexed. This was a head-scratcher. The queen came to the drinking party. And I'd like to talk about who the queen is, but let's read the verse. Because of the words of the king and his nobles, the queen said, Your majesty, may you live forever. Remember how Esther would approach the king? What did she have to do? She had to wait to be invited or she, or she had to touch the scepter. She, the, this queen gets to walk in, I think. Of course, this is number two. This is not Nabonidus. This is number two. But do not let your thoughts trouble you and do not look so frightened. The queen has good news. Now, who was it? Uh, could the queen of Belshazzar be Belshazzar's wife? No, because we're already told that his wives and concubines were in there drinking with him. Could it have been Belshazzar's mother 
the wife of King Nabonidus. Um, maybe, but I kind of think that the suite over in Vegas contained the queen as well as the king. Could it have been Nebuchadnezzar's wife, a widow? She'd have been widowed now for more than 17 years, but could it have been her? Possibly. Um, but I think it's more likely that it's this one. Nebuchadnezzar's daughter, and I think it's the one who married the man who murdered her brother, evil Merodach, and became King Nereglissar. I think, and I have my reasons for this, but I believe that she's the widow of Nereglissar. That's because there are a couple of other candidates, and they all get ruled out by history and by chronology. And this one makes sense to me because she would have been young enough that she is still getting around, but old enough that she remembered Nebuchadnezzar and she was also respected by everybody and she could get away with saying, Father Nebuchadnezzar, and calling Belshazzar my son. So just, and, and why would she do that? We'll talk about that in a second. So you do not have to agree with me about this slide. Please, please, okay? I don't want to even take a vote because I would get bogged down in the recount. Bad joke. Um, but let's just, I just want to make, make it clear that this is my opinion, not fact, okay? I mean, the details about them are fact, but my opinion is not. There, this is the queen talking, there is a man in your kingdom in whom is a spirit of the holy gods, in the day of your father, enlightenment, insight, wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods was found in him. So Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, appointed him chief of the magicians, spellcasters, astrologers, and diviners. Why does she, excuse me, why does she say your father? And let's assume that he's not the son of Nebuchadnezzar. Why would she say your father? I think it's to smooth things over because of the palace coup that got him on the throne. If she, kind of the queen mother or queen grandmother, if she acknowledges him as, okay, you're, I'm going to say you're in line with Nebuchadnezzar, you have the right to be on the throne, but you need to act like you're supposed to be on the throne. Um, so I think that that's what's going on here. Um, but she tells him about the man who has the spirit of the holy gods. Because an outstanding spirit and knowledge and insight in interpreting dreams and explaining riddles and solving knotty problems were found in this Daniel whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be summoned and he will explain the meaning of the writing. So, uh, how, how long are we in here? Uh, Daniel was maybe a teenager when he came to Babylon. Then 43 years later, he's, say, 60 or in his 50s. 17 years after that, Daniel is approaching what? 80, maybe a little more. We have, we're going to have a couple of years here with a, another king after this before Daniel is able to go home. But um, so he's getting up there, right? He's around, around 80, but still getting around. I don't think Daniel probably had to use anything more than his staff to get around. A couple people in here have a cane or a walker. No big deal. 
right? I think Daniel's fine with that. Um, Daniel's advantage is there's no ice outside. In, in Babylon, you know, there's sand, but that's kind of all. Nice climate for, for being elderly there. Um, so now let Daniel be summoned, and he will explain the meaning of the writing. And Daniel explains. Then Daniel was brought before the king, and the king said to Daniel, Are you, Daniel, one of the Judean exiles whom my father, the king, brought from Judah? I have heard about you, that a spirit of the gods is in you, and enlightenment and insight and outstanding wisdom are found in you. Now those wise men, who are the spellcasters, were brought before me to read this writing and to make its meaning known to me, but they were not able to explain the meaning of the message. Yet I have heard about you that you are able to explain the meanings clearly and to solve knotty problems. Therefore, I keep thinking, that knotty is an interesting choice in this translation. All right, uh, to solve knotty problems. Therefore, if you are able to read the writing and make its meaning known to me, you will be clothed in purple with a gold chain around your neck and you will rule as third in the kingdom. The offer doesn't change for Daniel. Then Daniel answered the king, Keep your gifts for yourself, or give your awards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king, and I will make its meaning known to him. As for you, your majesty, the Most High God gave the kingdom greatness, splendor, and glory to Nebuchadnezzar, your father. What does Daniel do for Belshazzar? He takes him back to an example, a good example from the past that he will understand. Let's just go back to Nebuchadnezzar and talk about what happened with him. And this is Daniel's great feat in this chapter, besides interpreting the handwriting. So because of the greatness that he gave him, that his God gave Nebuchadnezzar, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and were afraid in his presence. He killed whomever he wanted, and he let live whomever he wanted. Also, he promoted anyone he wanted, and he demoted anyone he wanted. You have an example of somebody Nebuchadnezzar killed or tried to kill? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. An example of anybody that the king maybe uh, uh, demoted or promoted? Daniel. Also, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah, he did these things. But... When he thought too much of himself, what do we call that when somebody thinks too much of themselves? Arrogant, yeah, ego. And his spirit became hardened in pride so that he acted arrogantly. He was deposed from the throne of his kingdom and his splendor was taken away from him. When did that happen? Yeah, which was 20 verses ago. We're only this far into chapter 5 and it happened in chapter 4. So that Daniel very carefully has combined these two chapters um, for us. And the next one too. Um, they're an integrated unit. Very important to remember that this is not just a collection of random stories. This is written this way for this reason. Continuing. He was driven away from humans and his mind was changed to that of an animal so his dwelling was with the wild animals, or wild, with the wild donkeys. He was fed grass as bulls are fed, and his body was wet with dew from the sky, until he knew that the Most High God rules the kingdoms of men, and he raises up over them anyone he desires. So Daniel very neatly 
saying, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, he could raise up or put down anybody, but then God does that too. And God had power over Nebuchadnezzar. But you, his son, Belshazzar, there's the son, did not humble your heart, although you knew all this. Instead, you lifted yourself against the Lord of heaven. So, we have a new sin. I talked about this earlier. The sin of Nebuchadnezzar was pride. The sin of Belshazzar is insolence. Insolence. He's not just proud. He's putting himself against, antagonistic toward God. So that's the difference here. And that's the difference in how God is going to handle this. Pride, we can teach. right? We can teach people not to be proud or a king not to be proud. But insolence... How will God handle that? Many, many tekel ufarsin. Yeah. You lifted yourself against the Lord of heaven. The vessels from his house were brought before you. And you and your nobles, your wives, and your concubines drank wine from them. Is that what they were for? No. No. How would we feel if... uh, the folks here for Oktoberfest broke into the church, grabbed the chalice from communion, and drank beer on the front steps with it. We'd be pretty mad. Yeah. Would we still use the thing for communion? What would we do first? We'd at least wash it, right? And maybe even... In, in, dedicate the thing in a new, like, like, like rededicate, not just consecrating the elements. We might actually have like a little ceremony where, you know, Lord, we're sorry about, not that he would zap us for using whatever we had for communion. Is it wrong to take communion with a Dixie cup? No, no. If I'm not mistaken, Fran Schubkegel's last communion was with a Dixie cup. Um, uh, and, or, I, 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 no, I, I mean, Maybe it was a different professor, but I was one of the last communions um, I gave with him. But, but no, using an ordinary thing for a holy means is one thing. Using a holy thing for profane means is something entirely different. Then you praise the gods of silver, gold, bronze, iron, wood, stone, who do not see and do not, do not hear and who do not know. Are they all there, though? See no evil, hear no evil. Oh, it would be speak no evil, not know no evil, but anyway, yeah. But you did not honor the God who holds your breath in his hand. Isn't that an amazing phrase? He holds your breath in his hand and who controls all your ways. Do you know that the Hebrew word for breath is identical to the Hebrew word for spirit? Ruach. Yeah. What kind of tire has air in it? A pneumatic tire. And pneuma is the Greek word for air or spirit. Yeah. So, the back of the hand was sent by him and this writing was inscribed. There's that back of the hand again. And now, Daniel... Uh, there is kind of a challenging phrase. I talked about this already, the arm, the, the, the hand. 
palm or back or whatever, that part of the hand. Now, this is the writing that was inscribed. This is verse 25. Our translation puts it all into capital letters. Let's all say it together. Mene, mene, tekel, and parson. Verses 26 to 28 is Daniel telling us what it means. I'll just read it. This is the meaning of the message. Mene means that God has counted up your kingdom and paid it out or spent it. Tekel means that you have been weighed in the scales and you are too light. Parson means that your kingdom has been broken in two and given to the Medes and Persians. This was not a good message for the king. Now, in other messages like for Nebuchadnezzar, how long after Nebuchadnezzar had the dream about the tree and then the actual madness, how long was there? A whole year. Yeah. How long between this and what's going to happen? That very night. Yeah. Then Belshazzar spoke and they dressed Daniel in purple with a gold chain around his neck and they made him the third highest ruler in the kingdom. And I'll bet Daniel was trying to wave it all off. Don't know, I don't want, and they're putting it on him and whatever. And he, I, I, if I were Daniel, I wouldn't have been able to get out there fast enough. There is a, a story about the apostle John that is not in scripture. Um, it is told by one of his disciples who wrote a little bit later. And there was a famous um, uh, a heretic in the city of Ephesus. And John was there. And one day when John and some of his uh, friends went into the public bath to take a bath, John was told, Serinthus is here. And John ran out naked into the street saying, I cannot be under the same roof with a heretic or God will bring the roof down on us all. So uh, that's the way he treated that fellowship with that guy. Um, question? Church fathers. Yeah. Um, it's recorded finally by, I think, Eusebius, who is kind of secondhand from secondhand, but it's one of the things, it's one of the two or three things we have about John from outside of Scripture. Another one was his last sermon, or one of them, where they were kind of carrying him around in a sedan chair or a litter from church to church. Would you come and preach for us? And he's an old man, and I don't think he could hardly even walk anymore. And they brought him up, and the, everybody hushed, and he got up into the pulpit. And here's the sermon coming, and they're all waiting because a sermon usually takes two and a half hours. And John says, little children, love one another. And he sits down. And they're thinking, we sent all the way to, you know, and how come, you know, do you have nothing else to say? And his, do you know the reply? I may have said this before to you. His reply was, if you would do this, you wouldn't need me to preach anything else. Last two verses. That very night, King Belshazzar the Chaldean was killed. Then Darius the Mede received the kingdom when he was about 62 years old. How long between verses 30 and 31? About two and a half weeks. The then is a little divider here. And historically, we're aware that Belshazzar was killed the night that the commanding general, who I think his name was Gorbidus or Gubaru or something. I've got a couple more slides about this. 
The commanding general came in, finished the battle, and then Darius the Mede received the kingdom. He, he came in a little bit later, um, and it, was, it turns out to be about two, two and a half weeks after this. Um, shouldn't affect our understanding. It doesn't contradict the text at all. With a then there, you know, after that. Let's take a look at this. Um, first of all, Isaiah 13. I'm just going to read this quickly. Prophecy about what happened. Isaiah, a couple generations before this, in the days of the fall of the Assyrian Empire. See, I will stir up against them the Medes, which is who conquered tonight, who do not care for silver and have no delight in gold. Their bows will strike down the young men. They will have no mercy on infants, nor will they look with compassion on children. Babylon, the jewel of kingdoms, the glory of the Babylonians' pride will be overthrown by God like Sodom and Gomorrah. She will never be inhabited or lived in through all the generations. No Arab will pitch his tent there. No shepherd will rest his flocks there. But desert creatures will lie there. Jackals will fill her houses. There the owls will dwell and there the wild goats will leap about. Hyenas will howl in her strongholds. Jackals in her luxurious palaces. Her time is at hand. Her days will not be prolonged. Who tried to rebuild Babylon? Saddam Hussein. He didn't, not even he could do it. It's still just a ruin. Let's talk about what Beth uh, was talking about. This is my really perfect overhead snapshot of Babylon and the Euphrates River. Um, so you're welcome. Uh, so uh, uh, what Darius the Mede did, by the way, Darius the Mede is not Darius the Persian. History talks about Darius the Persian. Daniel is very careful to talk about Darius the Mede, who was the guy who came in here and became king in this confusing time after the fall of Babylon. Daniel never says Darius the Persian. And historians are are, get all mad about this because Darius the Persian lived, you know, decades later and it couldn't have been this guy. And, well, Daniel never says Darius the Persian. He says Darius the Mede. He's very careful about that. Well, what they did was they set up a dam there at the top of the screen. They diverted the Euphrates River. And then as Beth described, they did go in through the sluice gate and they walked in through the where the river goes into the city. They walked into... Babylon. In fact, it is possible that Darius or his general had been inside of Babylon already and noticed this and had walked around talking to people. And I've got, if you've, if you've got a couple minutes, I have five views of the fall of Babylon from history here. So the Jewish sources say this. This is from the Mishnah and so forth. And one commentary on the Song of Solomon. I have no idea where this comes in there, but... Yeah, so Jewish sources say that the people of Belshazzar's court all knew that Daniel's prophecy would come true, so they killed him themselves and gave his head to Darius as a peace gesture. Um, that's a Jewish source. I don't know if it's historically accurate at all, but their opinion. Josephus says that the Medes diverted the Euphrates and took Belshazzar by surprise and, kill him and, and, and killed him, and that's what we... That's kind of what we've just said, is what we think happened. Now, when I was first learning Greek, the classical authors you were building up to reading were Herodotus and Xenophon. And part of it was because this is the story we translated in Herodotus and in Xenophon. 
So they say that while Babylon was having a wild, drunken party, the river was diverted by Cyrus's army, and they marched in to find Belshazzar with his bodyguard, and they massacred the king. And then Isaiah, this is from Isaiah 21. Isaiah has three prophecies about this. I've, I've read one, I'm going to read another one here. And Jeremiah has one also from chapter 50 or 51, I forget. Look, here comes a man in a chariot with a team of horses, and he gives back the answer, Babylon has fallen, has fallen. All the images of its gods lie shattered on the ground. O oh, my people, crushed on the threshing floor, I tell you what I have heard from the Lord Almighty, from the God of Israel. When you hear Babylon, Babylon has fallen, what do you think of? What book of the Bible? Revelation. It's in Revelation. It's a repeat of, of this, yeah. And then from the Babylonian chronicles themselves, this is our last one. It does say, on the night of the 11th of, Mar of, the 11th of Marshavan, which I think is October, um, um, Gobiris, or Gubaru, this general, whatever his name was, descended against Babylon and the son of the king died. So there you have a reference to Belshazzar as the son of the king. Um, by the way, the king got captured shortly after this in the interregnum, and he died also. So Nabonidus dies in this coup also. So, um, I wanted to get to more uh, uh, things here, and I apologize. Uh, there were, I did talk about the insolence, though, and that the specific gospel here, though, God keeps his promises, looks after his people, even in the darkest of times. Did Daniel survive this? Yeah, the next chapter tells us that he did. Yeah. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.